Well, listen, I'm so glad that I get to talk to you guys this morning. Um, it's also one of those things you're like, oh, goodness. It's, it's a tough subject. Um, I'm teaching on uh, Matthew 18, and I'm teaching on conflict and how to resolve conflict. Everybody excited? <laughs> That's why we didn't announce it beforehand. <laughs> yeah. So what do you call a conflict between composers? A debacle. No? No. All right. I'll try a couple more, then I'll be done, I promise. I can't help it. It's just my nature. I like for the church to laugh. The Bible says that laughter is good medicine, right? And I need it. I don't know about you guys, but um, so the church got a new pastor who the music minister immediately disliked. Not Sherry. This is another church. Eventually, their conflict spilled out into their Sunday services. The first week, the pastor preached about commitment and how we should dedicate our lives to serving one another. The music minister led with the song, I Shall Not Be Moved. Three laughs. That's good. Okay, I'll keep working it. I'm here all week. The second, the second week, the pastor preached about tithing and how important it was that the congregation contribute and be a part of the church, both financially and with their soul. And the minister led with the song, Jesus Paid It All. <laughs> a little bit more. I feel like this side's laughing more than this side, but that's okay. I love both sides. Thank you all so much. <laughs> The pastor caught on, embarrassed over how the music minister's feud with him was uh, disrupting their services. He told the congregation the next week that he was thinking about resigning. The music minister led the song, Oh, Why Not Tonight? (laughs) Yeah, last one, I promise. Sure enough, the pastor gave up. He resigned. In his farewell sermon, the next week he told the congregation that as Jesus had called him to the church, Jesus was now calling him away from the church. The music minister led with the song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. (laughs) Right? I know. I think sometimes... uh, uh, we want everyone to uh, to conflict the way we conflict. We want people to know that we just don't want to... How many of you hate conflict? Anybody hate conflict? How many of you, if you're honest, you like conflict? Anybody here? All right, I'll pray for all five of you and your marriages. Okay, I'm joking. To go on with this, for me, conflict has always been something that I've, I try to avoid. And I think sometimes we need to take it on head on. And I'm learning to do that, but I want to learn how to do that biblically. And I think that's where we're going to try to start off today in Matthew 18, 15 through 20. Matthew 18 is one of those scriptures that can be annoying sometimes because when you confront, like I really, I got a hold of the scripture and thought I knew it really well and me and Amy would disagree and I go, Matthew 18 and she, oh my goodness, was looking for a scripture where she could thump me upside my head. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you, just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you will have won them over. Just between the two of you. How many of you had conflict and you had to make sure somebody else knew about it just so, well, you did it okay? I think that's wrong. I think if I got a problem with Chip, 
I'm just picking on you because you're right there. Then I got to, all service, so work with me. I got to go to Chip and say, man, I'm having a problem, and this is my problem, and, and I love you enough to talk about it with you. Is that cool? And he may come back to me and say, no, but at least I tried to do the right thing. Trying to do the right thing, I think God honors. It's, it's obedience. And when we try to do the right thing, he will bless you in that. But if they will still not listen, but if they will not listen, take, the, take one or two others along. Now it gets tricky. So who do I pick? So let me just make a recommendation. When you decide you're going to conflict with someone or have an issue and you want to be honest with them, don't take the biggest gossip that you know. Amen? Take someone you trust that loves you and also loves them. So together, maybe you guys can come up with the right answers. All right. So that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Verse 17. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. If, the church, if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them like you would a pagan or a tax collector. Okay, this gets tricky. It gets so tricky, I'm going to need my coffee. Did I bring my coffee up? Oh, thank you. So this is how it gets tricky. Let's talk about this for a second. I know that online, they just love me not going out of the camera just now. Treat them like you would a pagan or a tax collector. I always thought that gave me an excuse to, to treat Chip badly, <laughs> to be angry, to, to just say, you know good, I'm done with you. I thought that's what it meant. I thought Jesus was okay with us being a little angry and just pushing them away. But let's talk about this. Who's talking here? <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Poor fella. Who's talking here? Jesus. How did Jesus treat pagan and tax collectors? You think Matthew was sitting there going, oh, but wait a minute. How did Jesus treat Matthew? He brought him into the fold. He loved him. He worked with him. He treated him as if he didn't know him yet. That's how I believe we are to treat those who we go and go and go and we still have that. Now, listen, I understand you guys may, and you need to go the other way, but you still pray for them. You still lift them up. You still show Jesus when you can. Maybe you can't talk to them anymore. Well, we live in a world, just send them, send them something nice. Be kind. Show Jesus and then see what happens. When we show Jesus, guess what happens? Jesus shows up. That's exciting to me. So, verse 17, I'm sorry for those of you who like this and used to use this to get mad at people and then never be their friend again because I know I've had that same opinion in times. That's not what I believe it's saying. Verse 18, truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth, you will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And that simply means what are you holding on to? How many of you have somebody that just gets under your craw? You know what I mean. That you just, you want to give them the ever-loving right hand of fellowship. <laughs> right? You guys know people like that. We all know people like that. Because we just have a hard time getting along with them. But, but, but listen to me. 
you need to let go of that. You need to try to find a way to love them in spite of them. Why? Because that's what Jesus wants to do. That doesn't mean we're saying they're right. It's saying we love them. It's saying Jesus loves them, and I'm going to do everything I can to love them. That, that means that I got to sometimes tell people I love that this is wrong. And that breaks my heart when I have to do that. But if I didn't do that, I wouldn't be doing what Jesus called me to do. Now some of you are going to be really worried if I show up at your door this week. I'm joking. I will, I'm, no, no plans, so let's don't make it happen. Again, hold on to those things that God would hold on to. Hold on to godly principles and godly grace. Hold on to love and show people the love of Jesus. Hold on. Here's, a, here's the thing we, we don't challenge the church enough. Hold on to being a good dad. Hold on to being a good mom. Hold on to being a Christ follower who takes care of his family. Hold on to the things that are right. Let go of the things that are, are letting you, taking you down. You got to be honest about it. You got to be transparent about it. I think anything we deal with conflict, it starts with the person in the mirror. I got to say, Dave, why are you mad? What are you, what's going on here? How many of you, I, I've discovered the older I get, and I, I, this is not something that I, I like a lot, the more like my dad I get. <laughs> He, he, he would get mad, and it would drive me a little crazy because he would grit his teeth at me. And I was like, man, I'll never do that till I did. And I'm like, oh. And so when I did that, I'm like, thank you for helping me understand my dad right now. Help me not to do this because it's going to frustrate my children. So when I don't want to, and I, I have those moments a lot with some of my kids. I love them, but, oh, they think they know everything. And I am just want to say, but what I need to say is I love you. You're wrong, but I love you. Now, I do that a lot. I get in trouble sometimes because Amy's like, you don't have to tell them you're wrong. I said, but they are wrong. She's like, yeah, but... Not as often as you want them to be. Slow it down. I'm like, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. She's wrong right now, but <laughs> it's true. We, we want to be able to do what we want to do. We want to, how many of you have agendas and you want your agenda accomplished? How many of you have ever been to a church where there's church politics? Yeehaw, isn't that fun? <laughs> Try being the pastor. <sighs> How many of you have ever had a church where the youth group had drama in it and it was like crazy? Anybody ever seen that happen? I think two things if you can get out of church is get, get the um, politics out of the, out of the congregation and the drama out of the youth. I think if we did that, we would have some really good churches. Can I get an amen? But we tend to, to sometimes lean into the drama. We tend to sometimes lean into the gossip and to the, well, I didn't know that. Tell me more. And some of you know what I'm talking about. How I, I, I'm guilty of this. Every time I hear something about the school board, I want to know more about it instead of wanting to pray for them. Just being honest. I get frustrated, but I need to pray for them. I need to lift them up. I need to pray that God's going to do what God's going to do, and I'm okay with what God's going to do. It's that simple, and it's that hard. 
Verse 19, again, truly I tell you that if two of you, just two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I with them. Man, this is powerful stuff. And what he's saying is we need to work on on getting along. We need to work at loving each other. My, my wife had a boss when she was out in Phoenix, and she, uh, she, this, this lady had gotten, just drove her crazy, and so she brought her in, and my wife, wife overheard her say, you got two options, get along or get along. <laughs> I love that. You know how many times I've wanted to say that to church people? None of you. Bill said, yeah, right, that hurt. (laughs) But that's wrong too. I got to get my heart right. When I conflict with someone, that's a fun word, but I've got to understand that conflict has to be something that is taking me away from Jesus. And I got to be honest with them and do it with a loving heart and not because I want to tell them how wrong they are. Because what he tells me in this text is he love it. He loves it when we get along. He loves it when we have picnics and people see us and we're all laughing and giggling and going down those obstacle things. And there's so much fun. God loves that because we're having fun together. That's what koinonia is: is fellowship, working together, building each other up. Loving each other, being a family. The, 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 the thing that the devil wants the most is to divide his church, to divide his people. I mean, just think about it. There's so many different um, congregations and so many different um, types of churches, any type you want. But where I think we miss it is even those churches that we may disagree, we probably need to work at trying to love them anyway. I may not agree with what they do. That's okay. I go to Christ church. I don't go to their church. My goal is to show them the love and grace, and maybe someday they'll ask me my opinion, and we can talk about it in love. But, but I got to do it in love, not because I know how wrong they are. I'm sick and tired of them doing it, and somebody needs to tell them. Isn't that the way we get we have to be very careful. Henry Cloud said this. He's a, he's a um, counselor, psychiatrist, just a guy that really gets it and he loves Jesus. He said this, the extent to which two people in a relationship can bring up and resolve issues is a critical marker in the soundness of their relationship. Can we talk about it? See, and one of the things that I need you to know, it starts with our house, with our wives, with our husbands, with our children. You know, one of the best things that we can do, that we can show these these people today, (laughs) is show them that we can talk, that we can have a conversation. We can disagree. We can still love each other. Romans 12, verse 17 through 18 says this, Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. As much as possible, as far as it depends on you, live in peace with everyone. (laughs) Not just the people that make you comfortable. 
not just the people that look like you, not just the people that don't look like you. It's everyone, young and old, heavy and heavier. I saw it throw that out there. Everyone. Couple little quick hints as we drive through this text and talk about it and come back to it and kind of just be reminded of it. It's it's important that we understand that that part of the damage that conflict can bring is it blocks my koinonia, my fellowship. It takes that away from me. Um, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us consider how we may spur one another toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some of you are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Hey guys, Jesus is coming back. And if I believe Jesus is coming back, then that means I got to get along with you guys. We got to love each other. We got to be honest with each other. We have to have a conversation sometimes when we don't want to have a conversation. 1 John 4.20 says, the person who says, I love God and hates his neighbor is a liar. Now, this sounds easy, but some of you know people that it's hard to love. Some of you, they may even be in your family. And you love Thanksgiving because you know they're going to show up. Maybe God's calling you to love them, show grace to them, or at least put one of your kids on that. See what I'm saying? Just push it off on Aiden. Let him go love on them because he struggles with it. Anyway, I'm joking. I can't tell you I love God and hate someone. I can't. It's against the principle that God gives us in 1 John 4.20. It's against um, Matthew 18. It's against all those things because it says that if I love God, I still will love my neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? Isn't that the text? Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, here's the problem with that. There's a presupposition in there. Um, Fancy word today. Thank you. I'll be here all week. Here's what it is. I can't truly love Chip till I'm okay with Dave. I got to be able to love Dave so I can love other people. I think sometimes we don't like what God created. We're mad at him. We don't like all the different issues we have, and it's hard for us to love someone else because we can't even love ourselves. And, and can I tell you something today? Jesus loves you. He loves you so much, and I need you to hear that today. I need you to understand that. My Jesus loves you with everything he has. So, What do I do? I can't let it block my fellowship. I also think, and I'll throw this one in for free, I think it hinders our happiness. I think it takes away our joy. When we're all busy worried about, oh, getting back at somebody, when we're all busy worried about that sucker, if you just knew what they said, Dave, you'd be mad at them too. I get it. But that doesn't help anybody because all it does is hurt you. It hinders your happiness. You're the one gritting your teeth. You're the one acting like a fool. You're the one that has that scowl on your head because you're just ticked off. And can I tell you in love, you're wrong. 
It's taken away your happiness. It's taken away your joy. Some of you have relationships that you haven't dealt with because they love God and you love God. I'm telling you today, start dealing with it. Start being honest to people. Start working with it. Start trying. Start loving each other. So the practical side of this, what are some steps that I can do that are biblical to help me get along? Every one of these hits me a little bit, and I struggle with them a little bit. The first one is I need to make things right. Before anything else happens, I need to make sure that I make things right. In Matthew 18, it's all about being honest with that individual, going to them, having a conversation, and starting that point. Amen? Amen. So it means I've got to, I got to deal with it. I got to deal with whatever I'm not dealing with. Matthew 5, 23 and 24. If you're standing before the altar in the temple, giving an offering to God, and you suddenly remember someone has something against you, leave your offering beside the altar, go at once, and first be reconciled with that person. Then come and offer your gift to God. God knows your heart. God wants your heart to be right. The only way it can be right is to make some of those wrongs right. Some of you may need to make a call today, this week. Don't put it off too long. Some of us need to be honest with ourselves. We need to to be transparent with ourselves. Make things right. That simply means making things right. Next one. Admit your fault in the situation. How many of you love to admit when you're wrong? I mean, you just love it. You can't wait to say, oh, I messed up again. Let me tell you about it. (laughs) Just me. Okay. Anyway, you have to admit your fault in this situation. Why do you notice a little piece of dust in your friend's eye? But you don't notice the big piece of wood, the log in your own eye. First, take the wood out of your eye, that log. Then you will clearly see to take the dust out of your friend's eye. Hmm. So so here's what that means to me. Jesus was a little bit of a comedian. I believe this. I think there's some humor here because he's trying to show them how, how much an idiot we are. You're sitting there looking at this little piece, but think of a big old log right in their eye. And I can see the disciples laughing a little bit. I can. And then all of a sudden, he hits them. Don't you love it when Jesus just hits you? Get the log out of your own eye now before you can even see clearly what the little speck of dust looks like. It's that simple and it's that hard. We need to be able to, to, to be able to say things to each other, but we need to say it in love and making sure that we're not just saying it. See, hurting people hurt people. You need to get that. When I'm hurting, I'm going to hurt someone else. That's not right. That's not of God. I have to admit my fault. I need to be honest. I shouldn't have had that tone. I shouldn't have said that word. Even if I think I'm right, I need to think it through. Amen? And I hope we get this. 
I hope we love people the way God wants us to love people. I struggle with it sometimes. I struggle with people. There was a season in ministry, I just, I'm going to be transparent. I kind of felt like I was babysitting people. And I struggled with it. And I got tired. And you know who was wrong? Me. It wasn't the people that I, it was me because I let things happen that I shouldn't have ever let let happen. I had to clean Dave up before I could do anything else. Well, somebody said, really, amen to that one. I get it. I do have to clean Dave up for sure. (laughs) It hurt a little bit, but it's true. (laughs) If I can fix that, if I can really be transparent with who I am, then I can, then I can be able to, uh, to listen to what they're going through, which is the next point. Um, admit your fault, and then you'll be able to listen to why another person is hurting. You know, we talked about this um, in our Bible study, I think last week, when we talked about one of the things we need to do, quick to listen, slow to speak. How many of you struggle with that? How many of you, you, you are, someone's telling you a problem and they're just telling you, they're just pouring out their heart. And before they even get to the first part of why they're hurting so bad, you've already, you've already figured out what you're supposed to tell them. You're like, I got it. You're not even hearing them, but you're on to tell them, well, this is what you need to do. People don't care what they need to do. They care how much you love them. And when you hear those words and you hear what they're saying, then you need to say, I'm listening. I'm sorry. (laughs) I tend to want to say, you're wrong. (laughs) That's not right. I have to listen to what someone is going through. Again, be quick to listen, James 1.19. Slow to speak and slow to get angry. <laughs> That's the three good ones right there, isn't it? <laughs> That's a three-point sermon, and I didn't even have to do it. Right there for you all, set up. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Got it? Go home. No. <laughs> I still got a few more points. Hang in there. Quick to listen quick to hear what someone's going through, quick to understand what's happening in their lives. Number four, put yourself in their shoes. Same concept, different thought. Think about what they're feeling. Think about how they're getting attacked. Think about what they've gone through. It doesn't mean that you're saying they're Empathy's not a bad thing. Empathy can be a good thing, but you have to do it the right way. It's with anything. The feeling that you understand and share another person's experiences and emotion. The ability to share with someone else's feelings. I think this is a tough one, but I think we need to try to work on this. I think empathy is important for the church. And the reason I think that is because we need to be willing to understand what someone is going through and how they're dealing with it. Philippians 2, 4 through 5. Each of you should not only look to your own interests, but the interests of others. Your attitude should be that, the same of Christ Jesus. So <laughs> I preached a sermon, and it was called Attitude Adjustment. And it's all about where my attitude needs to be. I need to have an attitude of Jesus. And sometimes I have everything but. 
the things that I'm thinking and the way that I'm thinking it and the things I'm letting in my mind is taking me away from the one love that loves me more than anything, and that's Jesus. He loves me with everything I've got. So because he loves me, I need to love Chip. You guys work with me here. We're picking on Chip. I've got to love Chip. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, Bonhoeffer said this. We must, we must learn to regard people less in the light of what they do or omit to do and more in the light of what they suffer. That's, guys, if we did this, it really would change everything. If I thought about what someone was going through and the pain that they were dealing with, if I just for a second tried to figure out why they did the the thing I don't agree with and try to put myself in their shoes, maybe I can understand what they may need to hear from me. But listen to them first. Remember that. But you got to work on it. You got to be honest about it. You got to be willing to let God work through you. Speak the truth in love. Proverbs 12, 18. Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. I don't know about you guys, but I really didn't want this sermon today, but I needed it. I need God to work with me. To, to, to help my heart, to do the right things, to love people, to not let my words be reckless. Listen to what the Scripture is saying and apply it. Don't let my words be reckless, but may they be done in love. I think sometimes we hear that. I don't know if we always understand it. Ephesians 4.29. This is one of the first um, scriptures that I ever memorized. Do not use harmful words, but only words, the kind that build up, provide um, what is needed. It's important that we get this because we need to understand bad words that come out of our mouth cause bad things to happen. Good words that come out of my mouth cause good things to happen. When my heart's right and I'm doing it for the right reason, God blesses us and he takes us in a a new place that we've never even been before. Number six, don't blame. Colossians 3.8, you must rid yourself of all such things as these. You ready? Check mark. You can Check it. Here we go. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Watch the way you talk. Watch the way that things come out of your mouth. Quit blaming them and start realizing your fault in the situation. I wrote this down probably several years ago, and it's just a thought that I had. Christians are mostly good at not cussing, but spewing out venom, not so much. We all need to work on it. The words that come from our mouth need to be that that are building, not blaming, that are loving, not condemning, that are changing the way someone sees you because you love and care about them that much. Romans 4, 13 says this, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. That's a tough text right there. I still believe we're supposed to confront. I still believe we're supposed, but we need to do it the right way. And sometimes, I don't know about you guys, but I've done it the wrong way. Anybody else in here? 
And, and in saying that, for three of us that raised our hands and the rest of you are fibbing, which we're going to talk about that next week. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Jeff will be back in Mark next week. But it's important that you get this so you understand that it's not about... <sighs> God didn't make me the one to judge. And honestly, there's situations that happen in this church that I have to make calls. But every call I make, if it doesn't align with the scriptures, then I have messed up. If it aligns with the scriptures, I'm doing the right thing. It's as simple as that. It's as hard as that. I'm glad you guys got this one. Let's move on. Focus on reconciliation, not resolution. Reconciliation to reestablish um, the relationship. Resolution to resolve every issue. There are some things that me and my older son, and he'll tell you this, he'll be here second service, he'll laugh when I say it, we just don't see eye to eye. Now, I can spend all my time trying to make him and convince him to think like I do, or I can just show him grace, show him love, and realize that it's up to him to make that call, not me. And maybe I might end up finding on some of the things he's saying, he's, he may be, he, I can't even say it. <laughs> That's a good one, wasn't it? You said, just come on, you guys. He may be right. Okay. <laughs> Matthew 5, 9 says this, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. I close with this. There's a half sentence in Acts 13, 13, tucked away um, by Luke. And it says this. It's, it, it becomes a huge paragraph in the life of Paul, Barnabas, and John Mark. And this is what it says. Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga and Pamphylia. But John, this is the part, left them and went back to Jerusalem. So we learn in this text that, that John took off, that he left. John Mark, Mark, that's who this is. That he left. I don't know why he did, but we learn later in Acts 15, 38 through 40. But Paul thought it best to not take him with him because he had deserted him in Pamphylia and he had accomplished, um, he had not accompanied them in the work they were doing. Their disagreement was so sharp. Listen to this. Their disagreement was so sharp, they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus and Paul chose Silas and left. That's how they were fighting. I wonder if any of the disciples said, Matthew 18. They would have caught, it would have fixed some things a lot quicker. I think that. But even the disciples struggle with this. And I think it's important that we get this because we all have issues. None of us are beyond that. Not the guy speaking to you. Not the guy speaking to you most weeks. Not, not, not our leadership. Not anyone. We're all, we've all fallen short. But at the end, we get Jesus. And this is what ends up happening in Timothy 4.11. Paul says, Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you. For he is very useful to me in ministry. We struggled with each other. 
Paul would even go so far to say, man, he ticked me off. He would go so far, he ticked me off so bad that me and, me and Peter got in a fight over it. I was mad. But I think if Paul was here, when we get to meet him, I think he would also say, maybe I made a mistake. Because I learned later, he's, he's useful to me. I love him. In fact, in one, one text I read, it says, it was like Paul was saying, he's my right hand. He's my buddy. Is there any one of you that knows someone who loves Jesus, key words here, that you have fought with or struggled with? I'm going to ask when we pray, pray for them. Maybe even come up and put them on the altar. Be honest about it. Start working the process together. Start finding a way to love people unconditionally. It will change everything. I promise. So I'm going to ask the praise team to come up. And I'm just going to ask you right now, if you know someone that that you need to talk to, start that process. Maybe just start praying about it. But watch what God does. When it's someone who loves Jesus and you love Jesus, one of my favorite thoughts is if Jesus is in me and Jesus is in Chip, can Jesus disagree? Not on the big issues, not on the things that matter. Let's stand together, and I'm going to ask that you pray with me. Father, I just thank you so much for being in my heart, in my life, for reminding me of where my hope comes from. Lord, I know there are some of us that we struggle with conflict. We struggle, we've struggled with it for a while. And Lord, we hear Matthew 18, and we think it's an excuse to say, I don't like you anymore, but it's really God you telling us to love them even more because they are outside of your will. May we understand that. May we strive for it because anyone who is outside your will, Lord, we we don't want that for them. So, Father, maybe there's someone in this room right now that's outside your will. May they find you this morning. Maybe, God, there's someone that's outside your will this morning that just needs to get along with somebody. May they find the courage to do that. May we all do that, Father. We love you. We need you. It's in Jesus' name I pray and all God's people say.